Welcome back to F&B Bites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends and challenges for professionals in the engine room behind the food and bev industry. I'm your host, Mark Robertson. It's been a wild team for me, but I'm back and I've brought some special guests with me today that I've been working very closely with for the past year. On this episode, we're going to talk about Suntory Oceania's incredible new 400 million multi-beverage manufacturing and distribution facility in Swanbank, Queensland. We will dive into how this new facility is centred around people, not just the shiny toys that make this thing hum. We'll also draw some wider insights into the food and bev industry and its current challenges of attracting and retaining talent. Today, I'm lucky enough to have with me Paul Woods, who will be the Site Operations Director for this facility at Swanbank, and Mark Toomey, the Transformation Project Director, who's been involved in this project, bringing it to life. Welcome to the podcast, Paul and Mark. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Thanks for having us today. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We'll uh, jump straight into it. We're going to start with a very basic question that can often go for a, a long amount of time, given your rich histories. But I'm going to ask each of you, how did you get into food and beverage? So I might start with you, Mark. Essentially, I've been in food and beverages for over 30 years, working with Australia New Zealand's largest food and beverage companies. I started my career as a process engineer, commissioning a wastewater treatment plant. And then I moved into refineries of edible oils and different other food products. I went through a series of promotions where I've completed a master's in engineering and technology management, which sort of launched me into a role in leadership where I was a refinery manager at a fairly young age. And then I moved over many different places around Australia where I became a site manager and then eventually through to an operations director. I worked in everything from cereals with Kellogg's to margarine, mayonnaise, salad dressings, vinegar, fats and oils, grains, and also brewing. I spent a lot of time in brewing and also wine and eventually dairy as well. So it's a bit of time in dairy. So I guess my experience has been built around a whole range of different, primarily food products. And I was able to spend time in all roles like quality, capital, engineering, production, planning. And then I was able to diversify and spend some time in sales, as well as mergers and acquisitions, business development, and also finance, which was a great experience for an engineer to be able to experience that sort of diversity. But eventually, I found myself back into supply chains and leading supply chains. And my last two roles has been as a chief operations officer for two ASX listed companies before moving back to Australia when uh, COVID was on set and wanted to get back close to the family and friends during that period. Love being part of a branded business and also products that bring joy and community and connection to people that you can talk about and have engaging conversations. And I love the people that you meet in manufacturing from all different walks of life and different experiences and different diversity. Thank you, Mark. It's always hard to cover off 30 years in a couple of minutes. And it definitely sounds like you've covered all parts of the food group on the pyramid there. So, Paul... How did you start in F&B world? Well, I've been in food and beverage all my career, so over 25 years, and that's primarily in brewing. I actually started out as an apprentice electrician in a brewery. Much to the jealousy of my friends, a young fellow working in a brewery, it certainly was a lot of fun. I moved around a lot, particularly with one company, then progressed into engineering leadership, team leadership with on the lines, packaging manager or manufacturing manager before moving into research and development as well and procurement. So sort of helps round things out a little bit. Then stepped into leading one of the largest breweries in Australia and then moving across to New Zealand as well. So across multi-countries, manufacturing is certainly in my blood. 
the people side of things is what's really exciting for me to be able to get a great group of people heading in the right direction, getting great output and high engagement. That's my whistle stop tour. 25 years pretty much in the brewing business. Very excited to make a switch here to Frucourt Suntory and get into some different drinks. Thank you, Paul. Awesome to have you on and be able to draw on some of that experience today. I'm going to start on a little bit about what each of you see is your vision of a project, a finite thing that has a lifespan, and then it's going to move into ultimately what this facility is going to be about and the launching of a deep and rich legacy that's going to be around for many decades to come. I'll start with you, Paul. Your Suntory is a, a global giant. What are you trying to build here in Australia and establish from a pretty humble beginnings, but from a massive global presence? Yeah, it certainly is a big global presence. We're in over 120 countries. We have over 40,000 employees. I was actually lucky enough to be in Japan with Suntory last week, so I got some good insights into the business over in Japan. They certainly run very efficiently and utilising manufacturing principles around Kaizen or continuous improvement. So that was fantastic to see. So what we're building here, we're building a world-class beverage facility right here in Brisbane. It's going to be capable of producing around 20 million cases from day one. And it's also been designed with plenty of room for expansion too. So watch this space. We've got some big ideas within the Suntory group and we're going to be ready to go about August next year. And how have you found trying to take those ideas from a global landscape and be able to filter those and translate it into the Australian context? That's a great question. I guess between countries, we do operate a little bit differently. Working with the Suntory team, we're basically leaning on them for a bit of technical design with the plant as well. They've, they've done a good job there, picking up their lean manufacturing principles and implementing them here. And Mark, you're responsible for really taking this from what was an idea on a page to something that's now starting to take shape physically. And what does success look like to you? Success for me is creating a really modern, world-class beverage facility, working with Paul and the on-site team to get them to a level where they're really trained really well, but also leveraging the technology that we've built. So we've put a lot of effort into ensuring that we've got a high degree of automation. So I think we're actually nearly a step above in terms of Industry 4.0. We've got a fully integrated operation with a single pane of glass that allows us to look at our value chain from everything inbound right through the production facility, through distribution, and ultimately to customers. And that's required a lot of integration from infield instrumentation, pumps and flow meters, and having that information that's coming off that as a single point of source data that reaches our ERP and financial systems. It really also unlocks great growth opportunities for the beam and fruit core businesses, which we've brought the best of in terms of what those businesses offer in one supply chain and one facility. It brings us closer to our customers and our ability to deliver far more frequently, just in time, and also the opportunity to do a lot more new product development, which the businesses have been restricted with the existing capacities that currently exist across our business. But in terms of vision, it's really about future-proofing the site, which we've done, having a high degree of sustainability embedded in our design, and also the automation and control, and also the ability to have a facility that facilitates the inclusion of a lean, highly skilled workforce, which Paul is doing an absolutely outstanding job of accessing people out in the marketplace at the moment. You talked about that single pane of glass and that automation and control and that technology that's being thought about and embedded and planned for from day one. 
How do you see that translating through to the day in the life of someone who's going to ultimately come and run this facility? How is it going to make their everyday better? How is it going to make their life easier? Or how is it going to focus them less on those lower value tasks and free their mind up to be able to focus on those high value tasks? One example is how we're going to bring large quantities of cans and glass into the site. So we will receive advanced shipment notices from our suppliers that we're about to receive a quantity of glass, for example. And that will be aligned exactly to our production schedule. And as it comes through conveyors, it'll be automatically unloaded and each pallet is scanned and receded into inventory, which typically in a traditional environment would require someone to enter into a piece of paperwork into SAP. And they would do that at the end of the shift or the end of the hour to confirm that that receipt of goods has occurred. We'll be doing all that automatically. And as we move materials through our facility, our computer systems and our financial systems will accurately reflect our consumption of materials. So when goods come off the end of the line, a pallet comes out into our warehouse, it will be ready for sale and updated into inventory immediately. So what we're doing is actually having the physical environment accurately reflected in our computer environment. The other thing that will require is it'll essentially be a paperless operation. So our teams will have visibility of our technology. They'll be able to go to the lunchroom, look at an iPad and clearly see exactly where a particular process is at. And we'll even be able to run processes remotely. So in the new ways of working in our modern era post-pandemic, we need to be able to facilitate flexible work for manufacturing people as well as what we see in office environments. So we've really thought about the technology and thought about how we can create that visual connection and enable people to have a degree of flexibility in the way they do work. The fact that we've got really high-tech equipment, the best in the world in terms of our packaging lines and our process, means that we will be able to enable our team members to engage in a whole lot of activities, of value-adding activities, either learning new skills or enhancing the equipment and processes that they're currently working on. So their minds won't be occupied with potentially running and watching bottles go down a line. They'll be looking to do changeover planning. They'll be looking to do continuous improvement, optimization of quality, and ensuring they do that safely. Thank you, Mark. Awesome to hear about that automation and control strategy that's being implemented now to facilitate people's lives moving forward. Paul, in addition to some of the automation and controls technology, Suntory's had a very focused effort on its sustainability and embedding some of that technology now. I'm really interested to hear how has that impacted the people that you're approaching the market? How important is it to them about coming to an organisation that has such a sustainability focus? And if you could share some of the key things of what are your objectives and what are you investing in now to support that? We're certainly getting a lot of interest in what we're doing from a sustainability point of view. The thing about Suntory is they really, truly want to invest in the earth and in natural resources, and they've shown it here on this site, which is just fabulous. Some examples are we'll be using a biomass boiler for process heating, utilising high-pressure hot water in a closed loop. It's actually a carbon-neutral fuel. We'll be taking offcuts from the Queensland timber industry. We're also having 3.6 megawatts of solar panels on the roof, which will largely power the plant during a sunny day, which uh, lots of sunny days in Queensland. Outside of that, we have a power purchase agreement with Queensland Solar and Wind Farms for all of our energy requirements. In addition, when we're actually not generating hot water, we're going to be spinning a turbine to be able to create electricity for the site as well. So it's a clear reflection here on Suntory's vision in terms of the carbon neutral, which the site will be, and giving a little bit back to the earth. 
Fantastic. What a green beginning for this facility. To bring such a massive facility together takes a lot of people from a range of different walks of life. So I'm interested, you know, from your perspective, Mark, you know, this project's been going for many years. What's your rough count on how many lives this job has touched in terms of the people that have gone into building this thing, thinking about it? What's your gut feel in terms of, you know, what a project does this to the wider economy and and supports such a massive investment in Australia? It's a really good question. I actually had prepared to sort of answer a question around how many people we've just inducted on site. We've actually inducted close to 1,100 or 1,200 now. We're moving up to about 1,600 and we'll have 450 people on site at any one point in time during our peak installation period coming up in January. But in terms of the impact to the economy, we will be looking to spend upwards of $150 per annum just in the southeast Queensland region, let alone how we're impacting globally. In terms of numbers of people, it's like a five, tenfold effect of, you know, we're talking about 20,000 numbers like that's my gut feel because we've had so many materials that have been consumed to build the facility, 3,600 tonnes of fabricated steel just for the construction. We've got 73,000 cubes of concrete. Multiply that by 2.1 and you can work out how many tonnes. It's a very large facility. We've had multiple organisations across the globe providing input into this facility. And ongoing, you know, we're certainly going to have a positive impact on the community in this part of southeast Queensland, leveraging the supplier base that's very close to us as well. I'll just throw 20,000 out for a guess, but you've tested me out there, Mark, and I'll, uh, I don't know, do you have a view? (laughs) This has blown my mind when I walk around here and I think about how many people it takes to bring something like together from so many walks of life. And then, as you said, once this facility is operational, again, the flow-on effects that's going to make to people's direct lives and then indirectly their families and the like. So it's you know, to bring such a huge investment to Australia is just makes this huge ripple effect in positivity yeah. throughout the economy. So, Paul, to start such a massive undertaking, it takes a lot of people to bring into the organisation. And I just wanted to talk about, you know, you expand a little bit more on your strategy today in terms of how you've focused on the day one team and that leadership structure and what are some of the key things you've been looking for in those types of future leaders? So we've got around 130 people to recruit over two years. So we're going to be recruiting right through to 2025 when our site gets up to full capacity. So at the moment, we've got the site leadership team uh, is largely on board. We've got people from a combination of beverage industry and also other manufacturing industries. So we're currently in the process of hiring team leaders, process leads and manufacturing specialists. So they can come on board as a part of the end of the installation, the commissioning and getting us through to site acceptance testing. So what sort of people are we looking for? We're looking for a combination, actually, and, you know, around getting some good diverse thinking so we can be successful on the site. We will need some people with some beverage experience who understand the equipment and how to run it. We're also looking for people from other industries where they can bring their insights and also potentially people straight out of school and university. And I think collectively, when we get our thoughts together, uh, together we'll be able to make some really good decisions and some great outcomes. So, you know, in summary, various skill sets, perhaps there'll be some people with limited skill sets that can come and learn and grow with us and just people with a great attitude who really want to be here and really want to make a difference. That's what we're looking for. Thank you, Paul, for explaining how the team is coming together and really starting to build its momentum. And with all of those people, they're really going to be then focusing on that operational readiness strategy that I know they're already putting lots and lots of hours into. 
Can you explain to us what are some of the key pillars of what you're trying to build around that strategy to go from day one to day 100? Day 100, eh? <laughs> 100 years, perhaps. So firstly, it's to, to go and recruit great people. And of course, you've got to have a great plan. So we've been building out our broad plan we refer to. There are a number of pillars to that plan. So we're developing our safety, quality, manufacturing and engineering systems. So each one of those, no mean feat in building those from the ground up, being the first facility here in Australia for our organisation. Operational excellence or lean manufacturing, it's certainly going to be playing a key role. And that's to ensure that we run with structure, we run uh, highly efficient and with very low waste. So certainly a key pillar there. There's plenty to do uh, in preparation for startup. It's a giant plan. We're building our team. We're getting some great people on board as we build our world-class beverage facility. They're the key pillars for us. And Mark, from your perspective, there's a close relationship and integration between the startup and the commissioning phase and the capital delivery. What are some of the strategies of what your team is building to be able to seamlessly integrate with Paul's to move through that phase and go from you know day one of starting product down the line? Great question and one of the big challenges and not one that we have avoided it by any means. So we're in a, a quite a unique position here because this is the first manufacturing distribution facility that Suntory has in Australia. So it's not like we're building a greenfield with an existing infrastructure, an existing organisation within the country. So part of the reason of bringing in onboarding the day one teams early is to actually have them integrated completely into the project in terms of installation and commissioning. So through our OEMs, and we've we've selected a number of world-class OEMs in terms of equipment providers, we've got some really advanced training programs to take people through with both on-the-job training as well as training in the classroom. So as we install, for example, a filler, we'll actually give people all the background to that. They'll be trained by world-class technicians and also be demonstrated to how exactly to do the job. We've used a combination of technology through augmented reality and VR to orientate our teams through the induction. So they'll be able to get a very good feel around exactly what some of the safety hazards are. And that will give them the platform to enable them to engage really, really effectively with the project team. So Paul and I are working on how do we combine the day one team with the experts that sit and the number of commissioning teams we'll need. So just in the process package that I know you're really familiar with, Mark, We've got six commissioning teams that will be doing everything from getting our water treatment going through to our syrup makeup, through to our blending systems, and also the automation that sits across it. And similarly, as we go through packaging, there'll be multiple teams involved, which will be a combination of key project people that have been involved in the design and installation phase, as well as day one manufacturing specialists and leadership. So really, that collaboration is just absolutely critical from here and that seamless integrated approach, everyone working towards that harmonised objective of getting high-class products out the door you know, to that standard and efficiently as possible as soon as possible. Absolutely. So I'll touch on a bit of a dirty word sometimes in people and organisations is around retention and keeping, you know, we've talked, keeping that talent that we've invested you know, a range of people in to get them to the facility. And obviously we want then people to stay in our organisations for a long time to be able to build their career. Paul, from your perspective, what is going to make this facility so special that someone's going to have a lifetime of career opportunity ahead of them to grow into? 
I guess firstly the attraction and the attraction for me certainly is it's a greenfield facility so there's no legacy equipment there's no legacy people it's about bringing people together to create something really special with our collective minds this just does not happen in Australia very often at all so so I guess that's the key for attracting people and, and as I say what, what attracted myself what we need to do is make it a great place to work where people want to come stay with us and grow with us so you know, this is not going to be a, a hierarchical sort of leadership from the top down. We're here actually to support the value add level, people who are out in manufacturing and operating the equipment. We've got to be here to support them for their success. So people are going to want to come and stay with us because it's just a fantastic place to work. They enjoy coming to work every day. That's going to be our secret to success. And I know that's been thought about for a very long time as well, Mark, in our conversations about just the design of the facility. How do you want to keep people coming back every day and enjoying that? Is there anything that you can touch base on some of those key things that have been deliberately put into the design to make it such that great place to work? Yeah, look, we've really thought about the value-adding part of the business, which is really where the manufacturing specialists are, you know, putting liquid into a bottle and making a product that a consumer can put their hands around and quench their thirst with. And in the processing area, you know, we've got high-quality air air conditioning. We've got flow of air changes through the manufacturing hall, which makes the amenity one of the best in the beverage industry in Australia. We're also, the nature of the jobs that Paul and the team are creating as such that they're very rounded and they can take complete ownership for the equipment. So for example, if they're driving a filler every day, it's I think five Ferraris, right? So we want them to love that equivalent of five Ferraris and polish it, understand every single part of it, and create the training and support to enable that to occur. The other thing is that Paul and the team are very focused on what we call being very Gemba-focused, which is a value within Suntory. And the Suntory's values are demonstrated in being Gemba-focused means being at the real place and understanding through first-hand connections, what is happening on the shop floor across the facility. So the whole design of this organisation and the people and the structures and the training is to facilitate, you know, really high quality team members capable of owning their equipment and delivering great quality products safely. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's been a concentrated effort for a long amount of times to really keep that focus on ultimately, yeah, who adds value in this business and not losing sight of that throughout the entire process. So thank you for sharing that. We're coming to the close of our discussion here on people and bringing this facility to life and all the thought that's gone into getting people to this organisation, the strategies around automation controls, how important sustainability is to attract people hit not only those corporate goals, but you know what makes us feel good about getting up in the morning and come to a facility. We've heard about some of the integrated role planning that's been underway in terms of shaping people so that they can spend that time on that high value tasks and less of the more routine paper-based facilities. We've heard about how much projects like this impact Australia and, and really impact so many lives across the world as well in terms of bringing equipment in from overseas and what it takes to make that come to life. And Paul's also shared the challenges of taking the experience and the breadth of knowledge of a global business and narrowing that down into the context of what we're trying to achieve today. So I've got one final question for each of you, and I'm going to swap it a little bit. So Mark, for you, what advice would you give to someone who's about to talk to Paul about a recruitment opportunity here? What would you advise them about? What opportunity lays in front of them? 
at both the Swanbank facility and just generally in food and beverage that you've spent so much of your career in? Well, firstly, I'll start with the food and beverage industry. It's an exciting industry to be part of. The products are highly relatable to the community. And I certainly feel proud of being connected with products that consumers love and have and enjoy in everyday experiences with their family and friends. So, you know, I, I can't say enough about how fantastic the food and beverage industry is in terms of the impacts it has on lives every day. In terms of the facility here and joining the team at Swan Bank with Paul, I think it's a very special opportunity. It breaks the traditional manufacturing perspective that's out there. It's an opportunity to be part of a really special team. The leadership quality that Paul has recruited together with the facility itself, I think it's an opportunity to really be part of something special in an organization that actually truly has values around sustainability that are actually demonstrated in what we've created here. No, that's awesome. I certainly get the same satisfaction of why I've been in food and beverage, not quite as long as you yet, Mark, but uh, definitely on track to keep going in that space. And for you, Paul, we've talked about this facility. I talk day 100, you're already talking year 100. So in year 100, what's the legacy that you're trying to build and leave behind for someone that's coming to this facility in year 100? What do you hope to see then? Every day when I come to work here, I certainly smile with what I see, with what Mark and the team are building. It's just fabulous what we're doing here. I think building a facility like this, you need to ensure that it remains a great facility. So there's a couple of components to it for me. It's around the people piece. So the legacy I'd like to leave behind is a workforce that is highly motivated, highly engaged, enjoy coming to work, making a difference every day. And Not only are we building a world-class facility, but we need to operate in a world-class manner and get those numbers out and a place where people want to come and see how we do it. That's really a key for me, achieving all of that through people. We also need to be able to maintain the facility. So it's really good when things are nice and shiny and new and things run pretty well, but things get old pretty quickly. So it's those pillars that I spoke about earlier on. We need really need to get them in place in terms of our engineering strategy, our operational excellence strategy. So in the 10 years, it actually still looks quite new and it still runs very, very well. If we don't achieve that, it'll certainly be disappointing. We want this to look as good in 10 years' time and operate as well in 10 years' time as what it has after year one. That's the legacy I'd like to leave behind. An ambitious but a realistic goal with the strategies and the plans and the people that you're looking to put into place. And I look forward to coming back to this facility in 10 years' time and seeing how great it looks from there. We'll have to dig up the time capsule in 10 years' time, eh? We'll all look a bit older then, I reckon. David, thank you, Paul and Mark, for your time on this podcast. Hopefully our listeners have really appreciated your insights and learned from your experiences of how you've brought your wealth of experience in in industry to this project, to not repeat those lessons from the past and then also springboard into the future and really see the next wave of things and take that on. So thank you for your time. Thank you to our listeners. If you're interested to hear more about Suntory Oceani's incredible new facility in Queensland and how you can get involved, feel free to reach out to Suntory Oceania via LinkedIn or their website at frucorsuntory.com slash swanbank or answer one of the many ads that I'm sure Paul has got out on LinkedIn and think about an opportunity there and see how you could fit into this. Be sure to check out our other episodes on F&B Signbouts. You can see that at becker.com under Ignite Your Thinking tab or wherever you to listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and see you next time.